let's get started, I guess. Good morning. Um, good morning, everyone. Hello, hello. Uh, yeah, good morning. Thank you, Kathy. Yeah, good, good. Somebody's awake. <laughs> At least one of us is awake. Um, all right. <laughs> I'll, I'll be awake shortly, yeah. Well, good morning, everyone. It's so good to see you all. Um, uh, we are uh, jumping back into Genesis. So I had vacation, and uh, Elder Deasing was gracious enough to cover for me a couple of weeks, so I was thankful for that. Um, today we'll be back in uh, Genesis chapter 2. Uh, we're going to look at the first three verses. Um, before we begin our lesson, let's go ahead and start with prayer. Let's pray together, y'all. Our great God in heaven, we thank you that you have spoken to us definitively and um, powerfully in your word. We thank you that this first day of the week that you've given to us, that we have the great privilege to think about uh, your pure words and the truth that is revealed there. Father, we do pray that you would guide us this morning by your spirit and guide uh, the speaker, we pray that you would be glorified and that we would see uh, vestiges of the glory of Christ, his death and resurrection in, in this section. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we're now in chapter two. Um, uh, we finished uh, chapter one. We have some great discussion about the uh, creation week. We are about to finish the creation week uh, today. Of course, we'll go back to it um, in a different way in chapter two. Um, there's a different focus in chapter 2 when we talk about the creation of man and then, of course, Eve and how she was formed, which uh, we weren't given in the first chapter. Um, uh, but this section finishes off the creation week, and so that's what we're looking at. Genesis 2, uh, uh, verses 1 through 3. Uh, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. All right, so verse 1 is a summary statement of all that had taken place in the previous six days, the six days of original creation. So heaven and earth uh, refer to the two realms that make up our existence. We are on earth, you look up, there's heavens. These are the two realms of our existence. We are on earth, God is in heaven. You might think about Isaiah 66. Thus says the Lord, heaven is my throne, the earth is my footstool. The created things that filled these realms are referred to here as all their hosts, right? So all, their, all the armies of created things in these realms were also completed. Um, the original uh, land, you might, uh, you might say, Host, refer to host. We'll talk more about this in just a second, but and we're talking about the animals and the sea creatures and the stars and the sun and the moon, all of those things. They were all completed in this week. Um, the original land water mass of day one is no longer without form and void, in other words. Remember back in day one, uh, the earth was without form and void and the spirit was hovering over uh, the deep. Uh, it is no longer that way anymore. It is finished. It's complete. 
Uh, John Calvin says this, the heaven without the sun and the moon and the stars would be an empty and dismantled place or palace. If the earth were destitute of animals, trees, and plants, that barren waste would have the appearance of a poor and deserted house. God, therefore, did not cease from the work of the creation of the world till he had completed it in every part, so that nothing should be wanting to its suitable abundance. So there's a perfection that's spoken of here to all of the created um, uh, things. Now, uh, one thing I thought about here, if you ever go on a road trip and you're driving by uh, you know, large stretches of land, especially in Texas, you know, there's lots of farmland and ranches and whatnot. And you see the, the land filled with goats and cattle. There's, there's a kind of completion to that scene, is, is there not, right? Imagine going through uh, all of those ranches and lands and seeing no animals what, whatsoever. It's, it's not, it doesn't seem right, right? And so that's what Calvin is referring to here. Imagine these realms, heaven and earth, without all of the wonderful things that God has filled them with. The glory of the heavenly bodies draws us up to think about, you think about the sun, the moon, and the stars, which were finished in uh, these first six days. Uh, They draw us up to think about the hosts of the invisible heavens. There is a visible heavens, and there's an invisible heavens that we cannot see. That's where God's throne is. When you look up to the heaven, you're drawn to think about that invisible realm. Now, what is there? Angels. A host of angels, armies of angels. God created those things as well. Heaven was not eternal. Heaven, as we think about where God dwells, the invisible heavens, was not eternal. God is eternal. Um, But that invisible palace where he dwells um, was made. You think about uh, Nehemiah 9. You have made the heaven, the heaven of heavens, with all their hosts, the earth and all that is in it, the seas and all that is in them, And the host of heaven worships you. That's a reference to angels. God made all of those things. The invisible heavens where God dwells also has its beginning point in Genesis 1. Uh, Colossians 1. For by him all things, by him that is the Son, all things uh, Jesus Christ, by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him, and he's before all things, and in him all things hold together. That is a reference to, on, in some part, to the angels in heaven. God made them. They didn't always exist. That is all completed. That's what we're talking about here in chapter 2. All of that is done. All right, now by by stating that all was finished after day six, Moses, the writer of this book, Moses did not mean to imply that God is no longer active. It's not to say that God is finished and then he departs from creation. He's no longer active in the world. That is not what is being uh, referenced here. God continues to sustain all things by the power of his word. All things, everything, including birds, fish, Land animals, men and women, they all continue to multiply. Remember the command that God gave to these creatures and to man and woman, multiply, fill the earth. They continue to multiply in accordance with God's word. And so he is still very much active in creation. He uses means, he uses secondary means. He doesn't work today in the same way that he worked 
on the first week of creation, but he's still active uh, in the world. Everything happens and exists and is sustained by his power, by the power of his word. Now, what was finished, and so when it says that God finished, it doesn't mean that he's no longer active in the world, but what was finished? Well, what was finished was the original work of creation from nothing. That was a unique thing. That was a unique event. There is no other creation week. There is one creation week so far, and that's, um, that's what we're told about in Genesis chapter 1. He's finished with what he did on this week, uh, days 1 through 6. And so uh, God, is, God is finished. Uh, I'll say one more thing, and I'll open it up. Uh, but there's one more day, right? There's seven days in a week. So what happens on the seventh day? What does, what does God do? What is his activity on the seventh day? There's one more day. Very good, Kathy. Thank you. The seventh day is mentioned twice in this verse and once more in verse 3. So there's a focus here on the seventh day. It's mentioned repeatedly. This day defines and determines all the other days. This day gives meaning to all the other six days. This day is to teach man what the other six days are all about. Think about in the first six days of creation, uh, we went through days one through six, and all these wonderful things are being created out of nothing. The earth is being formed. Heaven and earth are being separated. The sun, the moon, the stars, uh, cattle and sheep and leopards and giraffes and all kinds of animals, uh, birds of the heavens, man himself. They're all, are, well, I'll forget that for a minute, but uh, birds of the heavens, all these wonderful things. And then what do we get to at the very end on the last part of day six, the creation of man, that the man is the crown jewel of all of the created things. The creation of man gave meaning to everything that was created before him. He was given dominion over all those things. Subdue the earth, multiply, have dominion over, the, over all things. Uh, use the animals in whatever way you see fit to multiply and fill the earth. Uh, in that way, man, the creation of man gave meaning to all that happened before. All that happened before was for man. It was for man and woman to uh, have dominion over and to use uh, for, their, um, for their purposes. But it wasn't just for man. Man wasn't just for man. Man is for God. And so you can see how this one more day places meaning over everything, even man himself. Man was created for God. Uh, to serve him, to worship him, to do all that he was given to do on this earth and use the things of this earth in, uh, in accordance with God's will and to serve his purposes. Uh, so the Sabbath day, the seventh day, interprets all that had taken place uh, prior to this, including man himself. The seventh day then, this is a quote from Meredith Klein, um, the seventh day reminds us that God is both the Alpha and the creator God, and he is the omega, the consummator. He creates all things, and he consummates all things. You might think about uh, Paul's words in Romans, Romans 11. For from him, creation out of nothing, and through him, he sustains all things, and to him are all things. He is the alpha and the omega. 
All things were made from, by God's power, and all things are directed towards his glory. He consummates uh, all things. He's the first and the last. The seventh day, the seventh day reminds us of that. It, it punctuates the whole week, and it reminds us that, that this earth, we ourselves were not created for our own for our own glory, for our own happiness. We're created for, for the Lord. Any questions or thoughts on that? Comments? Yeah, Jay. So the, the man step into the seventh day? Do what? Yeah, that's really good. So are, are you asking, is that another way, is, is, is that a proper way of basically restating what I just said, that yeah. man steps into the seventh day? Um, is that what you're, yeah, 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 man steps into the seventh day. Yeah, that's a good way of looking at it. Um, the week doesn't stop after day six, right? As wonderful as it was, this world is not just for us. It's for us, yes, but it's for us in service of God's glory. So we step into the second day for sure, yeah. We continue to do that today. We step into the, the Sabbath day every, every week. We'll talk about that in a second. But anything else? Any other questions, thoughts? Okay, let's keep going. Um, uh, God is depicted here as working and resting. He rested on the seventh day from all the work he had done. So all that he had done from days one through six is, is interpreted or defined here as work. God was working days one uh, through six, and now he uh, rests. Uh, this partly emphasizes the perfection of the original creation. Behold, it was very good. God works and when he works, what he produces is, is perfect. And um, that's the declaration he gave at the end. Behold, it was very good. Now the resting here, of course, that we're told about, it can't be understood as God being tired. It's not as though God was wearied from work and he had to sit down and take a nap because of all the things that he had done. Now, certainly, um, you know, creating the sun and the moon um, from our perspective, would be um, grueling work, but for God, it's, you know, it's nothing. He just speaks and it, it comes to be. And so the resting is not to be understood as being tired or wearied from work. Isaiah 40, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. He does not sleep. He does not slumber. But God does stop or cease on this day from something. And what does he stop from? Well, he, there's a kind of stoppage here on the part of God from creating new things. He rested. He stopped. No more new things are created on day seven, right? That's complete. And so there's a kind of stoppage here. Um, now, this resting on the part of God, even though... Um, uh, he doesn't rest in the sense that we think about when we, you know, when we get tired. The resting from that work prepares us for the sanctifying of the day on verse, in verse 3. Man, what is man ordered to do? What were the Israelites ordered to do in the Old Covenant? What are we ordered to do uh, in a different manner, of course, in the New Covenant on the Sabbath day? What were the Israelites ordered to do? They were ordered to stop, to rest, to stop working on the Sabbath day. Uh, man is ordered by God to stop or rest from his labors on the Sabbath day and enjoy a divine rest in God. And so back to what Jay said, man doesn't become inactive on day seven. 
He simply takes part in a different activity on day seven. He stops the one activity from days one through six working and takes part in another type of activity on day seven, which is resting in God, worshiping him, glorifying him, enjoying him on day seven. On day seven, then, man was ordered to stop, stop what he was doing throughout the week and acknowledge what we just talked about earlier, that God is supreme, that he has absolute dominion, that he is Lord, we are not. That's what Adam was to do, Adam and Eve. Every week they went through their work, they were to get to that Sabbath day, stop their normal activities, give homage to God, and recognize that all that they do, every week that they're given, is in service to him, because he is the Lord of lords. Um, Now we might also uh, take this resting to be a kind of royal resting, that's how one uh, writer looks at it, Meredith Klein, namely, um, and others. you, you might think about how God makes his palace. He's a king and he makes his palace. And then on the seventh day, he sits down on his throne to delight in his new kingdom that he's built. He's delighting in his, his works of, of creation and his kingdom, his kingdom palace. Again, Isaiah 66, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. And he speaks to Israel here and he says, what is the house that you would build for me? What is the place of my rest? Right? So there's a reference there to God's kingly authority and resting. He's a king, he's built his palace, and now on the seventh day he sits down on his throne and he delights in what, in what he has made. And so man is, on, on, to a certain extent, is supposed to mirror that in, in his activity every week. Um, I'll stop there again. Everybody good so far? Tracking? Any questions? That's exactly right. Yep, you're saying exactly right, Ben. Thank you. Um, God made the day holy. And so we, by resting on the Sabbath, by being in worship, and we'll talk about that again in a second, like being here today, we mirror or reflect what God did in the beginning. We sanctify this day. We treat it as something different. We treat it as holy. So you're absolutely right. All right, well, uh, that's a good segue into the next uh, verse. So God blessed the Sabbath day, or seventh day, and made it holy, because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. All right, so verse three obviously immediately reminds us of the fourth commandment, which we read every week. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. And then every week we remember that God created all things uh, from nothing, He is the Lord of all creation, and he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, we are to rest. We are to make that day holy. Remember the Sabbath day. The Israelites were to remember the Sabbath day because the Sabbath day was always sanctified from the beginning. And so, uh, in in part, it it is a recollection. Remember that this this was in place from the beginning, the Sabbath day ordinance. It's a creation ordinance from the beginning. they were to remember that, but they were also to take action on this day. And one of the actions, or inaction, was to rest from their labors and to enter into worship uh, of God, or step into the worship of God, as Jay said. 
Uh, the phrase uh, made it holy clarifies what it meant for God to bless this day. He blessed the day. Well, what does that mean? He made it holy. He sanctified it by his word. Um, this day was to be kept sacred, set apart. It was different from the other days. or It was to be distinguished from the other six days. Uh, this was to be done primarily from uh, ceasing from work, just like we said. If we cease from work, then we can commit our mind and our energies into what? Into worship of God. If you're still trying to work on the Sabbath day, you're still trying to uh, complete what you didn't get done throughout the first six days on the Sabbath, you can't fully think about the Lord. At least that's, that's the idea for the Israelites. Uh, the Sabbath day rest reminds man that all that he does throughout the week is done in honor of God and in tribute to his kingship. He is king. We're, we are a kind of kingdom. We are a kind of prince. We are kinds of princesses and princess, or princes and princesses or under the Lord's lordship. But we are, our dominion is not absolute. Think about the dominion that Adam uh, was was granted over the created realms. It was given to him. It's not natural to him. It was given to him by God. So it's a derivative uh, dominion. It's a gift from God. God has absolute dominion. It's natural to him. He created all things. They belong to him. He can do with them what he pleases. Man's dominion is limited. It's not absolute. We are free to do what we please in creation, with our bodies, with our activity, as so long as we obey God's word. And that was the mandate to Adam and Eve in the beginning. So long as they obeyed God's word and stayed faithful to his commandments and multiplied and filled the earth and remained faithful to what he had commanded them to do, which was, and we'll look at this later, not eat from the one tree. So long as they did that, Adam and Eve would enter into that consummative rest, that eternal rest that God opens up for them on the seventh day. Um, that's the idea here. And so we exercise our dominion always living and moving and having our being in God. Uh, our lives are a gift from God. Our dominion is a gift from God. Everything is done in service uh, to him. Uh, what time are we given to think about that and to remember that? The Sabbath day. Of course, we should think about this all the time, but the Sabbath day is a particular special day to help us uh, not forget. Yes, Carolyn. Yeah. So today, uh, I just want to tell you, Sure. Yeah. It's a good question. So, uh, the question for Carolyn is um, 
you know, how, how are Christians, or should Christians think about how serious we, we take the Sabbath day and what we do on the Sabbath day, right? Because uh, in, the, in the beginning, in the Old Covenant, uh, there, were, there were certain violations uh, on the Sabbath that if you did them, you, it was a death sentence, right? It, it was to be taken seriously. Uh, that's a good question. Um, we'll, we'll come to that in just a minute. We should, we should take the Sabbath day seriously, but we also need to t- think about uh, the differences um, in uh, the new covenant now that Christ has come versus what the Israelites, the, the, uh, the yoke that the Israelites were under in the old covenant. We have to think about those differences. Yes, the death sentence was prescribed for violators of the Sabbath day, but there was also death sentences prescribed for lots of other things. Um, and that death in, in some ways foreshadowed the death of Christ. So we don't, we don't stone people because Christ died. Um, praise be to God, right? <laughs> um, but we should think about the seriousness of it. We should think about the seriousness of the, the kinds of things that were given the death sentence and think about, okay, we, we do need to take these seriously. Um, we're not under the yoke of the old covenant. We don't have to fear death as a sentence against us, but, um, but we should take it seriously. We'll talk about that in a second. Yeah, any, any other thing, there comments? Uh, yes, Una. Yeah, yeah. So the second part of your comments, Unha, was that there's no evening and morning formula on day seven. We'll talk about that too in a second. Uh, the first part, what was the first question? You said Jesus. Why he was not raised from the dead on the Sabbath day? Uh, Good question. <laughs> you ask, ask God that, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, so why why is it you know why is why why did Christ wait until the first day of the next week or the eighth day? Right. We could consider it the eighth day uh, to be raised from the dead. That's a good question. Well, let, why don't we finish this out? Maybe some of this rest of what we say here will help. Uh, notice how God's because we're going there, Uno. I'm not dismissing your questions. I'm just saying that we are getting into those areas in a second. Uh, notice how God's blessing his word blessing, he blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy, and his action sanctify this day. It signifies the sacredness of the seventh day. On the seventh day, what did God do? He rested. We are to do exactly what he did, right? We are to act like him in our weeks, and so we rest on the seventh day. He blessed it. He spoke about it. 
he called it the Sabbath, that he also uh, did something. What did he do? He stopped working. And so we're to image that you know, on the Sabbath. And so Adam and Eve, as image bearers, were to reflect this six plus one work rest pattern that God himself established in week one. Again, if they did this while remaining obedient to God's word, they would, they would enter into a, a kind of consummated state of glory that was held out, out to them. Of course, they, they failed, um, um, but that was what was held out to them. Uh, the seventh day is portrayed as unending, as Unha said. There's no evening and morning formula that, begin, that brings this day to a close. And so the Sabbath rest given to man on the seventh day is both an obligation, mirror what God has done, you rest, or I rested, you rest. It's an obligation, but it's also an invitation. I'm resting, come into this rest. I'm inviting you to enjoy the rest that I have in heaven, in my heavenly palace. It's, it's an invitation to, to all, to Adam and Eve and all their, their children um, to enter into God's uh, rest. Hebrews confirms that this rest is still ongoing. Hebrews chapter 4. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. So there is a rest to be had in God uh, that is held out to us from the very beginning. It's an invitation to all. If you would come to me, I will, give you, uh, I will give you rest. That's what God said, essentially, in the beginning, by sanctifying this day. Now, we come to some of Unha's thoughts here. In the New Covenant, we see that Jesus is our rest. Christ is our rest. He gives us rest. He is our rest. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Now, true rest, if you think about this, true rest is not simply a ceasing from work. It's not simply having a day off. True rest is ceasing from sin. That's true rest. I think that's an important point for all of us as Christians, to Carolyn's point, how serious do we take the Sabbath? We should take it seriously. Um, But it's one part of the Christian life. It's one part of the Christian life. It's an important part, um, but it's one part. In fact, even the Israelites in the Old Covenant, they were rebuked by God because they observed all the Sabbaths. They did what they were supposed to do on the Sabbath day, but then the very next day, they started acting like pagans. They started abusing the people around them. He rebuked them for it. And so don't disregard Sabbath observance, but let that Sabbath observance influence the way you live throughout the rest of the week. That's what the Israelites were missing. Uh, Christ is our true rest. We find this rest in Christ alone. The rest from, um, we will never have the true rest from ceasing from sin in this life, but that's, that's the goal. Uh, and as God, Jesus is God, and as God, Jesus consecrated a new day, the Lord's day, the eighth day. The first day of a new week, a new creation. And so maybe that's why he was risen on the first day after the Sabbath, because something new is, is taking place here. Um, we've entered into a, a kind of new creation in Jesus Christ already. That's, it's already begun. 
Um, But Jesus, as God, can do this. No one else can do this. Jesus can transform the Sabbath day. He's Lord of the Sabbath. He's God. He was in the beginning when the Sabbath day was blessed. He was there, raised on the first day, and and said, this is the new Sabbath. This is a new new important day for my people. Um, Now, uh, and this is how our confession defines the uh, Sundays, the Lord's Day. John says in Revelation, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. And so it's a, I think it's a good way to think about this day, the Lord's Day. It's a day that belongs to the Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the day that he was raised from the dead, the first day of the week. Uh, the confession def- defines this day as the Christian Sabbath. Um, and so we remember this day. We keep it holy by doing this right here, by setting apart, doing what we can to observe the worship of God's people, to observe the worship and service on this day. Um, uh, the last thing I'll just say here, it, the, the, the requirements, however, the demand are, is somewhat different. The yoke of the Old Testament has been lifted by Christ. So there's no death sentence for Sabbath breaking on, on Sundays. Um, but we should keep this day holy as much as we can. Um, now we have, we have medical workers in this congregation. Um, uh, you, you have to think about police officers uh, firemen, uh, those are things that have to continue on the Lord's day, and sometimes they have to work. There's just things that we have to do. Um, you know, if, if you leave Sunday school here and you, you see your brother or sister and, and they fall down and they're hurting, they've, you know, hurt their arm or something, their leg, and they're in pain, and you say, well, it's a Sabbath day, I can't work, I'm sorry, I can't help you. That You're missing the point, right? And so works of mercy were to be done all the time. That's what Jesus said in his ministry. Uh, But the point in all that is that, and I'll stop with this, our sanctifying the Christian Sabbath, the Lord's Day and the New Covenant, um, helps us to remember that Christ is King of Kings, that all that we do is done in service to him. And because he died and was raised for us, we think about how does that influence me throughout the rest of the week? I start my week thinking about the Lord. And now, when I start Monday morning, am I Christ-like? Right? Am I, have I been humbled on some level yesterday? Was I humbled yesterday to really go about my work in a different way, in a Christ-like manner? That's, that's what is supposed to happen. It's not about rule-keeping, in other words, necessarily. It's not about what you do or don't do down to every last detail on the Lord's day. I think you're, we're missing the point if that's all we're thinking about. Because again, Sabbath day observance is just one part of the Christian life. How does that affect you throughout the rest of the week? Somebody had a question or comment? Was it Jean? Did you have a comment? Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah, I like that. So first day was the beginning of creation in Genesis. The first day when Jesus rose from the dead was the beginning of restoration. That's an excellent way of putting that. I like that. Yes, Shara. (laughs) 
So our class was over, okay, I'm sorry. That, that question was too late, you were too late, I'm sorry. Um, so the question was, will the, will the seven-day pattern, you know, we live our days throughout the seven-day pattern, will this continue on into the new heavens and the new earth? Yeah, there's no night there. Um, so that's a great question. Um, I'm not sure if Scripture gives us all the details about what uh, life will be like in the new heavens and the or new earth. Um, we can get from the new heavens and the new earth that it will be similar, right? It's a new heavens and a new earth. It's not a, you know, some, it's not like Mars or some, you know, space-time or something, something we don't know about. It's something we're familiar with, a new heavens and a new earth. And so it's possible, yes, that, that um, the, the, the seven-day cycle will still, that the way time moves forward might still exist in a similar manner. But again, there are going to be differences, and some of those differences... I'm just not sure that scripture gives us exactly all the details. And like Jean said, you know, there's no need for a sun. And so without a sun, God is our light. What kind of days are we talking about here? I, I don't know. <laughs> huh? It will be, yes, it will be an eternal Sabbath. So it could be considered as just one long, wonderful day, right? Um, but great, great, great question, yeah. I, I'm, I was kidding, by the way. Y'all, please, please launch all kinds of questions as, as you see fit. Not that you've had any trouble doing that. Um, <laughs> but uh, please continue to do it. Okay, we're, we're getting close to running out of time. Just a couple more questions, if you don't mind. Carolyn? Yeah. That's okay. There's no more sunrise, no more sunset. There's no sun, right? Something better, though. Yeah, there's something better. It will definitely be something better. Yeah, Kian, you had to hand raise. Oh, very good. Yeah, good point. So, Kian, uh, the, the boys of uh, Israel were circumcised on, on the eighth day, right? So, Jesus rises from the dead on the eighth day. I think there's uh, something that can be said about that. We could definitely look into that s- some more and what that, what that means. Maybe not today, though. <laughs> All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time. We pray, Lord, that you would bless us and keep us. We pray that you would Uh, Shine the light of your grace upon us in the face of Jesus Christ. Help us, O Lord, on this Sabbath day, the Lord's day, to find rest in Jesus Christ. Um, To cease from all of our mental and physical activity that usually takes part in the rest of the week so that we might find true rest in, in him. Father, prepare us now for worship, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.